0: Bees Radio Network. Live coverage of Bees home games. The podcast. Their podcast. Their podcast. Well, hello, hockey fans, and welcome back to the Bees Radio Network podcast, episode number 28. And once again, we are free of charge as a thank you for your support of the Bees Radio Network throughout the season, whether view it via our radio coverage or, of course, to our fantastic Patreon subscribers. And you can, of course, help out us here on the Bees Radio Network by subscribing for as little as $1 a month on the Patreon page. And then you can go back and listen to the entire back, catalogue as well. You don't want to miss anything we chatted about in episode 27. Apparently I made sense around about episode number 15, but a man who's made sense in every podcast this season and he's very keen to point out he has a 100% record on the podcast. Mark dellam how are how we? Am. How are you? Do you know what I was about to say? That introduction, is that making up for last night? Pointing out on
1: numerous occasions that I missed Saturday.
0: I did look, I, I just have to, I, I deal in facts and I deal in truth. No fake news when it comes to nope. me. Um, no, it, it's, all, it's all completely honest and I was just pointing out that it was literally just a one man band the night before and luckily my voice hasn't been too badly killed off even though there was a eight goal bonanza at the hive last night um in what was it? Uh, look we're coming towards the uh, the the tail end of the inaugural 2019-20 nihl national season and it's a three point weekend for the bees and i think most of the time we'd be sat here absolutely ecstatic with that this season three point weekend real battling weekend it's just you know Saturday, the result just what what we would give to swap those results around and it have been the 7-1 victory on the Saturday and the overtime defeat on the Sunday. What we would have given for that to happen it, it, it is very fair to say, because it does leave the bees three points off that eighth spot and the final spot in the playoffs. Four games to go, a double head away, away weekend. Basically, the Bees have got a win out. They did the job on Sunday and got the first one on the board. Four wins to go to close the season will give them a puncher's chance at the playoffs, but they are going to need some results to go their way in the middle as well. Yeah,
1: Saturday, unfortunately, was the one that we really needed more than anything because, you know, in a straight 8-9 battle, then Saturday would have kept us with a winning chance with our own destiny in our own hands. Sadly now, obviously, as you say, we are going to need other results to go our way as well. And we do really need to win out. There's four games left to play. The Raiders, the Steel Dogs, the Bison, the Bison. Four games left to play. And we need nothing less than eight points from those games. And as you say, we also need others, either the Raiders or, at an outside chance, the Steel Dogs, to be dropping points like they're going out of fashion.
0: Yeah, I mean it's quite crazy to think the steel dogs are eight points clear of the bees in seventh place in the table, and it's not impossible to say the bees win four games, the steel dogs lose four games. That will put them tied on fifty-one points, provided there's no overtime shocks in the middle of there for the losing side. That will put them level on points, and the bees will then hold the season record. So you could see the raiders and the bees both make it into the playoffs, have which is that a few weeks ago. I mean, I know just a conundrum, and this is from a Sheffield side that on saturday went up and beat Telford and how vital could that be a penalty shot victory over the tigers that actually lifted them up a spot in the table uh, and unfortunately they've dropped back down because of the because of the results for the whole pirates this week so it's it's absolutely crazy it's absolutely incredible to watch how this has really played out towards the end of the season let's very quickly dive into saturday's game we um, sold
1: Michelle short by the way didn't we we mentioned saturday the game of the season should have said that on sunday as well really shouldn't we
0: so yeah, I mean, it, inc- indeed. Saturday was just one of those nights where early doors are. Uh, look, the bees came out flying in that one, and look. Like, There's been a little bit of chat on this on social media. Oh, you don't throw any hits. Oh, you're not physical. It's a different sport. How many times do I have to bang my hand on the table? You do not come out and play physical against certain teams. Against the Raiders, that is exactly what you don't do. You play smart against them. I was expecting the Raiders on Saturday to sit back like they did last time in our building. I was expecting them to sit back and wait and try and hit us on the counter. They didn't do that. They played a very smart game in certain respects. They targeted certain bees players that anytime they got control of the puck, they swarmed them. You go back and watch the game tape. The number of times you would see goodbye pick up the puck. And the minute he had it, two Raiders players on him. The minute you'd see Malinick come forward, he'd get to a point and two Raiders players would swarm in. If they threw a pass across the slot, a Raiders player was on the B's player. It was a very smart game from the Raiders. And going the other way... They kind of almost, to me, respected Adam Goss and went, look, we're not going to beat him unless we score an absolute world-class goal or we get a dirty garbage goal. Because what happens? Jake Sylvester, take nothing away from Jake Sylvester. A quarter of an inch different, that goal doesn't go in the net. It is a pinpoint shot off the bar into it. It's a great shot. Take nothing away. It's a world-class goal. The winner in overtime I need to look at it a bit more closely again, but I think Aaron Connolly has two bites of the cherry to finally get the finish on that. Before that, Sylvester rung one off the pipes on another outstanding shot. And Adam Goss was coming up with some exceptional saves at times as well. The Raiders, to me, respected the Bees immensely in that game. And give them their credit. They would have been happy to take away a point from the building. They would have been delighted with the one point from the game. They managed to get the second. They got what they wanted. It wasn't. It wasn't a physical game from either team. I would say it was an aggressive game from either team. Like it was just the bees played it as good as they could. They created chances. Ethan Jane's going up with some fine saves at times in that game as well. It's just on the night the Raiders got themselves going in the second, shut down the bees' opportunities that they'd seen in the first. And you know what? That proved the difference at the end of the game was they worked, they got themselves and presented themselves with an opportunity to get the winning goal in overtime and they somehow drilled it home. They somehow got it home. That was the only difference on Saturday night. Looking
1: at the stats for the game, um, I've said uh, on numerous occasions, you know, the Bs have started flat. Looking at the shots for Saturday's game, 15-4, isn't it, in the first yep. period... Ethan James, I guess, has kept the Raiders in that game. It's hard for me to say. Um, I wasn't there and I didn't see it. But 15-4 is an outstanding start. And I guess full credit has to go to Ethan James, who has come on leaps and bounds this season. And I would say, you know, Michael Gray will retire at the end of this year and leave the net in safe hands in Ethan James. But it's just a shame, isn't it, that the bees put, to bed that problem they've had with the slow start and they came out firing and just nothing quite worked for them until then in the second period the Raiders got the goal the go-ahead goal it's just a frustrating night isn't it and I guess made even more so frustrating because of the significance of the game if that had happened maybe three or four months ago and we weren't in a playoff battle one of those nights we'll take a point from it that's fine we'll move on it's just at this stage with six games to go in the table uh, in the league and you are in a battle for the eighth place with that team, you're thinking, oh, it's just disappointing, isn't it? One point only is just disappointing. I guess it's just, you know, the the situation and the, the date on the calendar that's made that even more disappointing.
0: Yeah, exactly. And look, I know there was a good crowd in the building, a great night for the school zone again, a good night upstairs. Like, again... If we're going to take anything away from this season, there's a real positive vibe. And we'll come onto this a little bit later on because it's something we need to tuck into, but there's a real positive vibe around the club, a real good fan base that are coming out to watch the games. And they, they were treated to a game that again, for those who are longtime fans, they'll feel a sense of frustration. If that's your first time in the building, you've watched a good game. You've seen a stunning goal at one end of the ice. You've seen a real battle with both teams. Yeah. Maybe there's a little bit of nerve about making an error and making a mistake. And maybe that does come into it. And maybe it does lead to a little bit of a nervy edge to the game. But I'm not going to sit here and say that we should come out in those games and be throwing the hits in because you go to the next night. Let's go to the night against the Steel Dogs now for this one. Early in the game, Brian Webb. Now, I've caught it out of the corner of my eye. You followed the the, the the play up the ice. I followed it out of the corner of my eye. Brian Webb has got his stick on the ice and hammers. One of the Steel Dogs players into the boards. And I've just given a quick check, and I can see that Severick's put his hand up. And I'm going, Well, it made a big noise. It was a big hit. And he gets called for cross checking, even though his stick's on the ice. Yeah. So you sat there and you're going, okay, so all those fans, all right, and I'm going to get into this now, all those fans who sit here and go, oh, we don't come out and hit teams. We don't come out and do this. You come out and hit a team in the first minute of the game. And the first thing that happens is the official bins you in the box when it's not even a penalty. We can see the power play. The Steel Dogs get a goal. That is why sometimes in hockey, it's a completely different sport to maybe what some of you watched 10, 15 years ago. And you're going to have to get it into your heads. It's a completely different game. You come out and throw the hits like you you want them to we're going to be in penalty trouble every night and you're not going to win hockey games the bees after that settled down got into the game during the first period and then in the second turned the afterburners on we said at the end of the first it felt like the bees were just rolling through the gears and by the end of the first had clicked it into overdrive my goodness in that second period did they start turning it on some sensational plays, some lovely goals some lovely finishes from all across the team and that's the team that we know is there. That's the team that we know can do it. And, hey, boys and girls, they weren't throwing massive hits in that game, were they? No, 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 no. They weren't throwing physicality into that game, were they? No, 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 no. They just played incredibly smart hockey and got the result they deserve. I am... You can get some on my soapbox yeah. here, can't you? I'm a little bit angry and a little bit pimped up by this tonight. But that is an example of what we've been talking about all season long. The game has changed completely. You go out there and throw the hits you even did five, six years ago. We're going to rack up multiple penalty minutes and you're not going to get a sniff in the game. You've got to play smart. That's what they have done this season, the Bees. And that's why they take a lot of criticism that they do not deserve. I am going to agree with you. And I'm also
1: going to express my opinion on it as well. You are 100% right. The game has changed, I guess. Like, if you'd watched a game 10 years ago and you've not been to the Hive and you come back, you're thinking, what is this? Because it is a softer game. It's uh, a more skillful game. It's a game. safer
0: game. It's a safer game as well. Yeah, yeah it's, it's a safer guys game, aren't but it's not going also out killing with trouble with
1: hits. Uh, but what I'm going to say is, if you'd not watched a game for 10 years, you're going to come back and you think, what is this? What sort of hockey is this? It's almost sterile. What you've seen over the last 10 years is a transition from teams that could lay crunching hits and knock other teams off the puck easily. Uh, Now you've seen a transition to skill where you can get the puck. And how many times did we see Roman Malinic do it on Sunday? Roman Malinic and Dominic Gabay. There was one move from Dominic Gabay in particular that was amazing where you said he'd lost it. And I thought, no, he hasn't. Because he just literally <laughs> flicked it around someone one way, gone around them the other way, picked it up and carried on. Brilliant. And that's what you're getting now. And that is a higher standard of hockey in terms of the skill that is on show uh, week to week. But the one thing I will say is, and I know you're going to say safer and I know you're going to say that, you know, we are more alert to things than that now. I do miss the old style of hockey. I agree with you that if we go out there week in, week out, and we clatter players, we are going to be, what, 30, 40 minutes a game shorthanded if we play that kind of game, not really giving yourself an ideal chance to win. But I do hark back and I do miss those days as well of, like, you know, the, the big players laying the huge hits and the game carrying on. I miss that, but, yeah, I 100% agree with you. There, sadly, is no... There's no place for that in this game unless you particularly would like to sit down and serve a two, maybe even a two plus
0: ten. Yeah, look, I'm not sitting here and denying, look, I get misty eyed over it. You go back and you watch an old Super League game. Heck, um, my mate Dan, who who runs Berkshire and Beyond, has has uploaded an old Bees game from 1992 to YouTube today. Go watch that. And if you think we're going, oh, it was much more skillful back in those days or it was much more quicker back in those days. Oh, it was much more... Go back and watch that game and you realize, actually, yes, we have a much more skillful sport. Do I miss Paxton Scholte clattering guys into the boards? Do I miss Christian Goslin running into guys and cleaning them out? Yeah, of course, because that's the moment that got you out of the seat. That's what got you excited. But I also don't miss games that just descended into slashing battles. I also don't miss any time a player tried to skate away. He'd find a stick on him or arm on him and the referees wouldn't call anything because it was just allowed to. Well, that that can go on because we need to call the really big, massive hits. We're going to sit there and restrict the more skillful players. The game is so much more skillful to watch, even at at our level. It's so much more skillful than it used to be. Players are given the opportunity to express their skills with the puck, not necessarily how good they are with the body and how good they are here. And yeah, sometimes some of the work effort has has gone a little bit in the game. It, It has changed in that respect. You don't really throw out a line of third line grinders anymore like you used to even Seven, eight years ago in the EPL, every team had a grind line and it was just out there and just ground. Let's not forget Andre Payet's
1: Sheffield Steel Dogs that with Ben Bounds oh, them, were nearly so successful, weren't they, playing that physical grinding
0: game? And I sat, do you know, Roger was up with there last night with us um, on the Bees Radio Network. He was he does all the uh, Twitter for the Sheffield Steel Dogs. And I was having a good chat with him about it and he just said, could you imagine what Piatt hockey would be like in this league? Yeah. Probably, games wouldn't finish till four o'clock because you'd be still rolling through the penalties. And that's not
1: even that long ago, is it?
0: Exactly. And that's where I get frustrated. That's when I sit here and I go, you know what? The guys go out there and try their, they try their backsides off week in, week out. And yeah, you're looking at guys and you're looking at certain players. You think, oh, he's going to go out and throw a big hit tonight. They've had to change their game because they don't want to go on the ice for 10 seconds, go sit in the box for two minutes, maybe less if they get scored on, go out and do another shift and then have to go back in the box again. The players have had to change their games. And I think fans need to, some fans need to realise it. And just get with the times. The game has changed and developed in the same way that the sport we first watched in the 90s became a completely different sport in the noughties to a completely different sport in 2010 to where we are now in 2020. The sport evolves and changes. Does it change for the best Well, yeah, if you're talking about it from a skillful side, it's a much more skillful game to watch. If you're talking from a physicality side, no, the physicality has gone out of the game, but you can't have both. You can't have this rough and tumble league and the most skillful players in the world. It's just not going to happen. The two do not merge. And that's what we've got. So when the guys are going out there and they're playing their backsides off, they're putting the pressure in. Yeah, I can get the frustration with some fans where they go, oh, but it's a sport as a whole. It's not just one team going, we're not going to throw a hit. Both teams, every team has dropped their physicality in this league because they have to be on the right side of the officials. Otherwise, you're just in penalty trouble. And that could be the difference between being eighth in the league and maybe being third in the league if you just keep your penalty count down. And you know what? Fair play
1: to players like, for example, James Galazzi and Joe Baird, who grew up playing... The old school physical game and both of those have had to change their game to be able to keep going as well. I mean, the other thing I'll say, like we mentioned Andre Payet and the way he played the game. And you know what? I'll be honest. I did used to enjoy games against the Sheffield Steel Dogs because you would get to see that big physical battle. But as you and Roger were saying last night. A game like that, well, we probably we probably wouldn't even have left the Hive by now. Would we? we were recording this on a Monday night. We'd probably still be there. <laughs> um, you know, Dave Cloutman. and a Dave Cloutman game, he'd have had his, his extending notepad out again, wouldn't he, for a <laughs> game <laughs> like that in this day and age. But do you remember, though, back to the the London Racers, not to be confused with the London oh, Romford me, Ice Hockey go. Club, but do you remember the London Racers who did get some criticism in some circles. They did their marketing campaign for a whole season, didn't they, on posters that featured the rough side of the game. And, you know, they did say... You
0: think of the team they had, though. Yeah,
1: they did say, you know, that is what puts bums on seats. And it probably does. Let's be honest. A lot of people listening to this podcast will say, yeah, do you know what? That would put my bum on a seat for definite. But other people were saying, well, no, because you're attracting, you're giving out totally the wrong image, you're saying it's a family sport, and, you know, that's how you're advertising it. Fact of the matter is, the, the London races sadly are no more, uh, and arguably, therefore, their marketing campaign didn't
0: work. The, I mean, the in- co- co- let's, let's just go through that team, and I, I know it's a little bit harking down memory and getting misty-eyed. A very young Jeremy Cornish, yep. Dennis Maxwell. Yeah. Eric Cairns. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like that was a team. Oh god, was oh, Jason Robinson was there for a while as well, wasn't he? Like it was a it was a tough team to play against and But yeah, you you knew you were in for a grindy game
1: against. Yeah, now them. it was a tough team to play against and they were a league above where we are now. They were an elite league team. But I would bet even if you put those players in their prime into an NIHL team now, they wouldn't be anywhere near as effective because the game they played is now the game that referees will call. And there's not just one, there's two in armbands as well now. So it's virtually impossible to get away with anything. So yeah, some great players you mentioned there, like Eric Cairns. fantastic player. But would he be as effective if he was still a young fit man playing ice hockey in 2020, the way he played for the London Racers? And I would say No, because he played a fantastic game in his day because his game was ideally tailored to what the rules and what the officials would allow at the time. But nowadays... Every time he stepped on the ice, you guarantee there'd be a whistle blown and an arm up somewhere.
0: Yeah, exactly. I'm just, do you know what? I'm actually just rolling through some of the old names that used to ice for the, like the racers. Final season, the likes of Nathan Rempel. Goodness me, like there was a goal scorer, but also a tough guy into the the duel as well. Paul Barrington, obviously, sadly had to retire after sustaining an injury whilst playing for the racers. Uh, Let's go back the season before very quickly. Obviously, Maxwell was up there in the points. Steve Moria in his prime, like a skillful player. Yeah. Not really no, not, one for the
1: rough no, stuff. No, not noted for his <laughs> fighting ability. I remember the, uh, the Steve Moria testimonial. I remember a conversation with Steve Moria. And he said to me, he said, I think I was in my first or my second year of uh, pro hockey. Um, and he said, I dropped the gloves on someone and I looked at the bench and I could see them all cringing. And it was only afterwards when I'd taken an absolute pasting and got back to the, the bench after serving my penalty, they said, you idiot, that's the toughest guy on their team. So, poor old Mo. But no, I mean, oh you do. I mean, that, that, that does, I guess, players like, you know, Eric Cairns and stuff like that did a job as well because in that day, they would create the space that Mo needed to do what he could do. One of the very best players, I think, to play on these shorts, Steve Moria. And he was benefiting from players like uh, Cairns and that making space for him. Uh, he had the same, didn't he, in Basingstoke with Chris Wiggins and things like that, you know. In those days, you needed, I guess, those bigger players to make the space and keep the the lanes free for the more skilled guys that didn't get involved in the the tough stuff. Nowadays, though, you know, I, I guess if Mo was still playing now, it would be a different world for him because there isn't the physicality in the game. Therefore, he wouldn't need the players around him to, to keep him safe and to keep his space free for him to move around in and work in. Um, so, yeah, the game, the game has changed so, so, so much in just the last decade. And it's, I think there is a, an element of sadness in it. I do absolutely love the art of laying a big, legal, clean hit. I mean, the hip check has virtually disappeared from the game now because the moment you go near anyone, there is a penalty. The late hit call as well, I think, has sterilized the game a lot because um, sometimes you're thinking, hang on a minute, that's not late. But it's just depending on how the official sees it, the angle these offic- the officials at, I guess a lot of the rules have safened up the sport. And for that, we should all be grateful because let's not forget now as well, the players that are playing this sport are doing so mainly as a hobby or a second job. Um, and for them, they have to get up on a Monday morning and they have to go and do a full week's work and fit in training as well before then getting back on the ice and playing two games at the weekend. From that respect, the game, I guess, needed you know being made safer. I was going to say safening up, but I don't think that's a word, is it? <laughs> it's nearly it's there. It's nearly <laughs> there, but the game did need being uh, made a bit safer because hockey doesn't pay the bills anymore, and that's just a simple fact. If you are listening to this today and you are a junior at any club up and down the country, because this is free and open now, um, go out there, enjoy your sport an awful lot and do yeah, aim to get as high as you can. But just know, work hard on your education as well, because ice hockey is not going to be the bill payer that it was 20 or 30 years ago. You need to have a backup. And in that respect, I can fully understand why governing bodies have clamped down and made the sport safer.
0: Indeed. Right. No, I just want to bring up this very quickly um, because uh, I feel it's quite important to talk about, really. Is actually, we, you spoke earlier about it the, the, being out the bee's destiny now and all this. I, I want to take you back to the 1st of February. If I turn around to you on the 1st of February and I said, Mark, look, in, look into my crystal globe, coronavirus will not occur. It's not a thing. Don't worry about that. It's just, it's just magical. Don't worry about it. It's nothing to worry about. And if I say to you that, on the 10th of March, the day after we recorded this podcast, but the day most people will listen to this podcast. Yeah. See, I can think into the future. Yeah. That's that crystal globe. So it's, it's that crystal globe. It's amazing. I borrowed it off my mate Meg. She's a bit missed. <laughs> um Ask, you, ask, you, ask your parents, kids. Uh, hang um, on. Who's giving away their age now? <laughs> what? 90s? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, the, the disturbing the Crystal Globe. The, 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 the spirits, and they're no longer with me. They're coming back now. They're coming back. They're back in the room. If I said to you that on the 10th of March, we're on the 1st of February. If I said on the 10th of March, the bees run a form would be seven wins, two overtime defeats, and three losses. Would you take it? Um. Yes,
1: yes. When you uh, look at the plain numbers like that, yes, I would. Uh, I guess the sad thing is that, sadly, uh, you would want to swap, wouldn't you, a couple of those losses. I mean, like the 7-1 yesterday. If you could have swapped that result for a day before, you'd have taken that massively. But you can't argue with the, the way that the Bs have hit form Sadly, I guess maybe just a little too late. Well, maybe it's not quite, a little it's quite, too late. Maybe but, not. It, you know, a it, little too late to make it comfortably into the playoffs, should we say. It's going to be a, a bumpy ride, isn't it, for the next two weekends?
0: Yeah, and th- this is the thing as well. Okay, the two overtime losses have come against the Raiders. So obviously, technically, it's only two points lost against the Raiders. And there was obviously, you go into those three losses, the Bison home loss, let's just uh, move over that one. We don't need to talk about that. The game in Peterborough, we found ourselves down. We really fought our way back into that one, really battled to get something on the board. We were tied up, the momentum with us, and if it had gone to overtime, I would have fancied us to pick up the points. Unfortunately, minutes ago, they score a game-winning goal on a 2-0 rush. Then we had the Raiders loss at home with the empty netter at the end, where it was a a 2-0 defeat, and obviously being shut out at home, not ideal ever. But it it was only an empty netter at the end that pulled the Raiders away, and that was when we were throwing the pressure on. We had plenty of tips around the net. That could have done. It, it was only Yoli Bulldog finishing it all the way down the ice that proved all the difference. So yeah, like it's weird to think. Like if you'd said to us right now, seven wins, two overtime losses. So technically, let's put that sixteen points. Sixteen points from February first. God, I would have taken that. It gives you a real puncher's chance, yeah. doesn't it? And you'd like to think at that moment we've probably we we should have done enough. As you say, you'd like to change some of the results in there. But 16 points is a mighty fine return for this team at a stage of the season where there would be others who would have given up and there would be others who would already be wondering about what they could get up to in April. I give the guys full credit. They, they've, they've dug deep. It's a young team that's learning and developing and it's, it's, it's just coming together. And yes, yeah, sometimes the results just don't go away, but my God, it's not through the lack of trying and it's not through the lack of trying to affect a game plan. Well... Like, you, you've you got to give them credit.
1: If you look at some of the players in the team, some of those players are still very young. And, I mean, Stuart Mogg has been around forever, and he's not even that old. And he's been around forever already. But you look at some of the young players, and yes, mistakes do happen. I'm not going to mention names, but there are some fantastic young players who do have a lot of potential and who can only learn, sadly, by making mistakes. Now, unfortunately those mistakes in a lot of cases have been punished. Sometimes you make them, you get away with them. Sadly for us, they have been punished, but that doesn't mean that these are bad players. It means that they are young players who are trying their absolute best, who are going out there and who are learning on the job. They are learning in the second tier of ice hockey in this country, developing their skills. And yeah, do you know what? Maybe there are some players who you would think, all right, well, yeah, it's not been a great year. But these are young players, and there's nothing to say next year they're not going to learn from every mistake they've made this year and be a completely different player next year. And I think, you know, I I feel for the team, because obviously it's not a great place to be in, you know. Like, this team would want to be in the playoffs already by now. It's not a great place to be in. And I know that there will be some members of the team who are saying, oh, you know, that mistake I made, that turnover, that goal I gifted. It's a team effort. Let's just be honest here. It is a team effort. Everybody is trying their best. And, you know, form is being hit. It has taken a little longer than we would all have wanted. And, yeah, if that run of form could have started maybe a month earlier, then, you know, we would have waved our hands to the Raiders. Bye-bye. And we would be clear of them in the table. Maybe we'd even be pushing the steel dogs down. It is what it is. But the good news is, with four games to go... Take out the blip against the Raiders on Saturday. The bees have hit form. Um, you look back, a four-point weekend against the Tigers. Okay, unfortunate weekend against the Raiders. A four-point weekend last weekend as well. And then this weekend, a three-point weekend. That's not a bad return at all, as you say, from the last few games. And we've given ourselves every possible chance now. Yeah, we do need other results to go in our favour. But based on the form that we're in, we can only do what we can only do. We have the Raiders, we have the Steel Dogs, and we have the Bison twice, home and away. We need to be aiming to close out the season with four wins and eight points and hope that the Raiders or the Steel Dogs do not have as strong a finish as we have. That's all we can do now. And, you know, I think we're in the best form we've been in all season, so there's no reason to suspect that we cannot go out there and give it a good crack. And do you know what? If we do win all four, and the Raiders pippers to ninth place, and the Steel Dogs pippers to eighth place, the Steel Dogs keep seventh place. Well, at least we've tried. We've tried damn hard. We didn't give in. We hit form, and we gave it our best shot. Exactly. Right then, should we do the table? We could do the table actually. Do you know what? We <laughs> haven't really whilst you're coughing <laughs> away there. We haven't really discussed <laughs> Sunday very much, have we? But you know, like I, I noticed ah. that you gave a. An in-depth review of the game you're at, just leaving me hanging dry on the game that I was <laughs> at as well. But
0: well, do, you, do you want to give a bit of feedback on well, it? I was, was just going to say.
1: Like? I was just going to say. I thought, and I, you scowled at me for this yesterday. We started <laughs> abysmally that game yesterday, and we just couldn't get anything going. Um, and it took a little while, but then once we did, we showed the form that we have, and I thought it was a. <laughs> Uh, All round, a very good 50 minutes of ice hockey. I I wasn't that impressed with the first 10 minutes. Obviously, we conceded the goal on the power play uh, and that put us on the back foot. But from there on, seven unanswered uh, unanswered goals. Chase the starting netminder. Roman Malenik has definitely, definitely hit form. Uh, Dominic Gabay is definitely in form. Josh Ely Newman, busy, busy, busy at the net all the time. Signs are good. I think moving forward into this last two weekends of the season, signs are good, you know. And one important thing, right? We don't have the momentum against the Raiders. You can't say that we have the momentum against them. And we have to find that. We go into that on the back of an awesome win against the Steel Dogs. Hopefully, momentum will be high in the camp. We then go to Sheffield, where momentum is definitely with us because we've chased away their starting goaltender and banged in seven unanswered goals, having conceded one early. If we can take a four-point weekend, and it's not a given, if we can take a four-point weekend from this weekend, then I think, despite the fact we don't have the momentum against the Bison, I think we will have momentum in our own room, and we will have the belief that we can go out there and keep our chances alive. So... I thought yesterday was a great display. I mean, obviously, we're talking about Sunday because we're recording this on a Monday. I thought it was a great display for 50 minutes. I thought Adam Goss came up tall on a number of occasions with some big saves. And I also thought, you know, like some of the the other players are just hitting form at the right time now in the season, giving us every possible chance to go on and extend our season past next Sunday. Or the Sunday, Sunday in fact.
0: Sunday after and there's your Sunday sermon from Mark Denham ladies and gentlemen as I took myself into sofa isolation with the coughing and then brought myself back out of it so all good news right then the table how are we going to do it this week well we the really table I think we should us. go I think we should go top of the pop style again I
1: tell you Here what hang goes. on hang on hang on and now pop pickers <laughs> how about that oh no I know what you're going to say I know something what you're going to your say something about showing your age yes it's become a
0: catchphrase on this cock pop, not half podcast.
1: not half pop pickers And now, with the table, here's Graham, and we start at 10.
0: Leeds Chiefs holding up the table, 46 played, 26 points their inaugural season, not finishing the way they would have hoped in terms of position in the table, but they're in at home ice, making themselves at home nicely there in Ellen Road. And at nine. Bees in nine, our beloved Bees in the white, uh, black and gold. 48 played, 43 points following that three-point weekend. In eight. Raiders 48 played 46 points because they followed up our vic- the victory over us in overtime on the Saturday with victory over the Peterborough Phantoms and in seven down a place is the Steel Dogs following that 7-1 defeat at home uh, sorry at the Bees home 48 played 51 points not able to follow up a fine performance the night before in defeating the Tigers but could that win prove all the difference in keeping their space in the playoffs at number six The Lightning, 48 played, 52 points. They're also down a place, so they're only one point ahead of the Steel Dogs. So as much as the Steel Dogs might be looking over their shoulder at what's going on below them, they need to keep an eye on what's going on above them as well because they've got potential to move above the Lightning. In five... The big winners of the weekend. The whole Pirates played 47, 53 points, moving up two spots, making the most of the defeats for other teams there. But as you say, that is a congested in there. Five through seven, just two points separating them, could have big playoff ramifications. In four. The Bison have pulled themselves clear. 48 played, 59 points following that victory over the Swindon Wildcats in Swindon. In three. The Phantoms, 48 played, 60 points. Defeat in the Cup. Final first leg on the Friday was followed up by victory at home. But then a defeat against the Raiders leaves them probably looking over their shoulders with the Bison just one point behind, rather than looking in front of them. Where? In two. That worked well as a league. Wildcats, that was nice. Well done. 40, you see, a train monkey. 48 points, uh, 48 bar. Then I screw it up. 48 (laughs) played, 64 points. So the Wildcats just pulling themselves a little bit clear, but there is some big games to come up at the top of the table this weekend. And in one... What a weekend for the Tigers. A big 6-4 victory on the Friday night in the first leg of the Cup final. Yes, they then suffered defeat at home to the Sheffield Steel Dogs, but they were able to go and pick up the points. 49 played... 71 points, it actually means they just need one point to make what I was said was going to come true on the podcast last weekend come true and clinch the inaugural NIHL National Championship. Should we roll through the fixtures for this week very quickly, Mark? It is very hard, is isn't some-
1: it, to see anybody other than the Tigers become crown champions in this first season from here. As you say, one point, <clears throat> they have four games to do it, and not only three three games, three, three for them, no, sorry, three. they have for, yeah, they, three they, games for them.
0: It'll get exciting in a minute when we go to the fixtures and you'll see why I've got excited about well, this. Well, not
1: only do they have like, you know, one hand on the league title, just needing one point. They also had a good start, didn't they, in the cup final as well. And they have one hand on that as well. well that's not By no means over, they would be happy taking the lead into the second leg. So the fixtures coming up on Saturday.
0: Let's start on Wednesday, because it's obviously the final second leg. (laughs) Our one good seg has
1: descended, hasn't it? Into into
0: farce, (laughs) which is what people expect from the Bees Radio Network. (laughs) It starts with good intentions, ends in farts. Why should we aim for any higher than that? So, uh, the Telford Tigers, Peterborough Phantom, second leg in Telford. On the Wednesday night, Telford with a 6-4 lead going into that one. I'm not going to be brave enough to say the Tigers are going to run away with that one but again if they've got one hand on the league trophy they've probably got the other hand on the nihl national cup as well jonathan weaver nice to see him making a return from injury as well for the tigers and then on saturday well no there's actually a game before that. do
1: you know what i'm sat here without the fixture list open i've done no prep for this segment of the podcast so on friday
0: Friday, i'll wait for my colleague to compose himself On Friday, it's a Yorkshire Derby as the Leeds Chiefs play host to the whole Pirates. The Pirates, that's their make-up game where they are on 47 played at the moment. A big chance to make themselves three points clear of the Milton Keynes Lightning in sixth place below them. Am I safe to say Saturday now? Give it a try and we'll see how it ends. (laughs) On Saturday... On Saturday, it is indeed the Raiders versus the Bees. The Swindon Wildcats then host the Leeds Chiefs. If you're looking at a battle for third in the table, the Bison host the Pirates that day. And if you're looking for a battle for sixth and seventh in the table, Milton Keynes hosts the Sheffield Steel Dogs. That is very, very tight, isn't it? And do you know what? <laughs> Nobody
1: knew that when they put the fixtures together back last summer. Nobody knew that. But then just look at the significance of that one day. In terms of how the table could finish, and it's huge, isn't it?
0: I mean, it's amazing, isn't it? You've got eighth versus ninth, you've got third, sorry, fourth versus third, and you've got fifth versus sixth. Do you reckon Eight. the
1: fixtures group had your crystal globe to hand when they were doing the fixtures?
0: Oh, well, it looks slightly used and slightly dusty, so probably they did actually. Yeah. Um, the spirits, the spirits, still with me in the room here, delighted to say they're looking for someone called Ken at the moment. Uh-huh. Um, anyway,
1: spirits in the right material then. world. Let's look at Sunday.
0: So, Sunday then, Steel Dogs versus Bees. So, again, that could have some playoff ramifications. Then we talk about another battle. It's the Peterborough Phantoms against the Swindon Wildcats. So, Peterborough again with lots of games in a row. The Hull Pirates then host the Basingstoke Bison, Hull having had the Saturday off. The Chiefs then host Milton Keynes. And this is why I'm a little bit intrigued, and i very intrigued, actually. Okay. Final game of the weekend. Telford Tigers need one point to claim the league titles, provided Swindon beat the Chiefs on Saturday night. It yeah. has to be said. Don't take anything for granted. Telford Tigers are playing the Raiders. So play this out. Again, the Crystal Globe out again. It's, it, I told you the Spirits were still here. They're still here. They're just, just, looking, just looking at them. Just looking around. The Bees beat the Raiders on Saturday night. Mm-hmm. Not in overtime. Straight win. Yeah. The following night, the Tigers, who have had Saturday night off, following their cup success on the Friday night, host the Raiders with the chance to win the home, the league title on home ice. Yeah. They're going to be gunning all, for that, aren't they? All of a sudden, Crystal Globe spins around. The bees are up to eighth in the table, potentially. Mm-hmm. Going into the final weekend,
1: yeah, and then it's all to play for, isn't it? Um, it's all <laughs> just to exciting. Play
0: for. Thinking about it, um, I'm just already on edge, and I'm not even blimming here next weekend. But it is so exciting to think about the permutations of how that could play out. It could go the other way. <laughs> Let's be blunt and honest. It could go the other way. But if that plays out in the Crystal Globe and Meg's next to me, Meg's giving me the nod here. The lovely Samantha on my other hand again ask you parents about that one maybe your grandparents for that gag um but uh yeah
1: they're so appealing okay dollies do your dealing
0: (laughs) well no the the samantha on my other hand that's a um sorry i haven't a clue yeah see good one there see again ask your kids nothing nothing wrong there don't need to call anybody or ring you tree or anything like that nothing wrong with that just lovely lovely humphrey Littleton type humor anyway But the permutations could be key there. It could be huge. It could. And as
1: you say, do you know what? Like, we both agreed, didn't we? A couple of weeks ago, we would rather be the team that's in ninth place because you've got nothing to lose. Going into the final weekend, I don't know about you, but I would rather be the team that starts in eighth place going into the final weekend um, rather than the team that starts in ninth place. Going back a few weeks, I think, yeah, being the outsider, Wasn't so much a problem because you have plenty of time to sort it out and fix it. Whereas with just two games left, I would want to be the team that goes into the final weekend with eighth place rather than the team that's going in with absolutely nothing to lose.
0: Completely agree with you. Right, there's just a few little bits of uh, news we want to pick up very briefly. Saturday, obviously, big game. Bee's heading up to the uh, Sapphire Ice and Leisure Centre to, to take on the raid. I just want to okay, do just do on, this, this very quickly, which is. Uh, It's not about the game preview in the weekend. It's to say the Bees bus is running to the game. The supporters club are making their way up to the game. There's a great bunch going up there. Beesbus at yahoo.co.uk. There are still seats available. It's £20. The bus will leave the hive at 1.30. It's a first come, first serve. The bus is going no matter what, but there are still spaces. If you want to make the trip up to the Sapphire Ice and cheer the boys on, there is still the chance for you to join the bus. Beesbus at yahoo.co.uk. £20, first come, first serve. Gary will be absolutely delighted to hear from you, as will the guys on Saturday, as you hopefully cheer them on to victory at the Sapphire Ice. Just
1: to say, we're recording this on a Monday. Now, I have put that out on social media as well, so it is open, and as Graham says, first come, first serve. If you're listening to this podcast later in the week, it may be they've already gone. If you are listening Tuesday, when this will be released, and you do want to go email as quick as you can. The bus goes regardless of whether you want to go on it or not. There are enough people going on it, but there are a few seats. If you do want them, do it as quick as you can in the week because it has already gone out on social media. And obviously once the bus is full, the
0: bus is full and no more can travel on that right there, and it's funny you mentioned social media it's almost like you were segueing me nicely into you see fans of the bees radio network podcast are time subscribers and thank you to all of you who have joined us on the patreon account throughout the year you can of course listen to the entire back catalogue by signing up now for six dollars a month we'd be delighted if you'd like to join us and you can listen back and it just helps with our running costs can you as well you how long it
1: but... would take to listen to the entire back catalogue as last week on its, its own was 89 minutes
0: it's 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 it, it's a life well It'd be wasted. Self isolation. <laughs> yeah. Isolate I mean, yourself
1: and <laughs> listen to the bees, uh, bees radio, radio network radio. podcast.
0: Can see how we started the season with optimism and continued it throughout as well. Um, you talk about social media there, and uh, look, just to lay both our cards on the table, we obviously have roles within the media here at the TSI World Bracknell Bees. We obviously are part of the club. We're part. We work hard for the club, um, and we do obviously have a lot of uh, visibility across the messaging and across what we see on social media as well. Just before we begin this bit, I think it's fair that we lay that out on the card and see this. So as a result, we have a very much a vested interest in what occurs on our social media pages. And obviously following Saturday night, the usual occurs anytime the bees suffer a defeat, certain names and certain faces crop up with their comments And it's funny, they weren't there Sunday night on the whole. Um, And it's been the case all season. There are those that just want to dig in. And there are those that want to go after certain players. And there's those that want to go after the off ice. And there's those that want to go after the on ice. And I will be respectful of the fact that you want to voice your opinion. I also want you to be respectful of the people who put in time and effort to this club. And I want you to be respectful to our young players who are learning. It is a young team. They're coming into this environment and they're coming in to work hard and they're coming in to learn and play. They are going to make mistakes. They are going to make errors. They are. They're not meaning to in the same way that you don't mean to make an error when you're at work and you don't mean to make a mistake when you're around your family or texting your friends or whatever. They are there trying to learn and they're trying to play and they're trying to battle. And the last thing that they really need to see is you making a comment and an ill-informed one at that about how hard players are working and how hard players are trying on what they're doing. They're just like you or I are at work. We try our backsides off every day. We go in the building on the whole and they're trying exactly the same. It's just, they don't have someone who can sit there on social media at the end of the game and magnify and amplify what they've done and really call them out on it. It doesn't help. Okay. To put it politely with you. And I don't like the phrase trolls, but there are those individuals who just want to put a a foot in and put a boot in and put a sword into these guys, and they don't deserve that. They really don't deserve that.
1: I don't mind so much if it's a 50-50 balance, but it isn't because there are some names that crop up every loss and point fingers. And you know what? You've bought a ticket. Maybe it's a walk-up ticket. Maybe it's a season ticket you bought a ticket. Yeah, you have your right to voice your opinion, and that's fine. But then by the same token, if you are going to point a finger, then be sure to point a finger when that player does something that is very good as well. And that doesn't happen. That just Correct. doesn't happen. Correct. How often do you see, oh, so-and-so had a really good game? You don't often see that, do you? But you will see so-and-so was rubbish and cost us the game. And I, I, I agree to a, to a point. Uh, with what you're saying, but I also see it from a different point of view in that I believe if you bought your ticket, whatever sort of a ticket is, is, walk-up, season ticket, whatever, you have a right to voice your opinion. But please, when you voice your opinion, if you have got something negative to say, make sure you counter it because when that player that you have said something negative about then does something good, there is no praise for that player, and I think that's unfair. So, you know, if you're going to say so-and-so was rubbish on Saturday and that player then comes out and, let's say, scores a hat-trick on Sunday or whatever, or, you know, whatever it is, be sure to then say, well done, to that player, because they've turned around their performance that you called out the day before, and they've upped their game. Be sure to call them out for that as well. I think it's got to be fair.
0: Exactly. And I'm not going to feed some oxygen to something, and someone in particular who doesn't deserve oxygen fed to them. But when you start coming after the club... And when you start coming after all the volunteers and the time and effort that they put into, let's call it what it is, rebuild this club. And you turn around and you go, this is a club with no direction. This is a club with no vision of where it's going. And you actually sit there and you believe that you're a joke because you do not know the hard work that has had to go into rebuilding this place and this club. And let's be frank and honest about it. Mark, if you didn't believe that this club could get back to where it should be, you wouldn't be here. You wouldn't give up your time. No. Uh, and to be fair,
1: like I, I agree entirely what you were saying. Um, you know, I, I know exactly who you're talking about. And as you say, I'm not going to give that person the credit as well. That person did, however, inherit a club in a fairly healthy condition. That person then left a massive rebuilding job which is ongoing. Let's make no mistake about that. It is ongoing. And to be honest, on the ice, we have not had the season that you or I wanted. We've not had the season the fans wanted. We've not had the season the management wanted. We can see that. Hopefully, we can still rescue it. Two weekends left to rescue that season. Off the ice, though, let's just take a moment to talk about the successes off the ice. In the last few weeks, we have had some of our best crowds in a long time At the Hive, that's home fans and away fans. So thank you to the travelling away fans as well. But we have had some of our best crowds that we've had in a long time at the Hive. Off the ice, that's a success. The school zone continues to amaze. And that's another success. The school zone has also developed uh, and now has a group zone as well, which has been another success. We've had buzz out and about in town doing marketing work, that's resulting in school signing up, that's resulting in walkups coming to the game, who may or may not go on to be season ticket holders next year. And also, I want to shout out First Shift as well, the Learn to Play programme, which has massively taken off this season as well. So to say there is no vision, there is no direction, there's no passion, there's no belief, is utter rubbish. I just had to check myself then. (laughs) I had to check myself then for a moment. But it genuinely is utter rubbish because to say this club has no direction is nonsense. It's absolutely nonsensical. This is a healthy club. It's a rebuilding club. The foundations are being set hard, and only with solid foundations can you build anything. And that includes success as well. So, yeah, last season we built some foundations. This season, we are getting those foundations solid and we can go on and we can raise that sleeping giant because we do have vision. We do have direction. We do have a strategy and it is paying off. I know there will be fans who will say, well, it's not though, is it? Because we're in ninth. Okay. I've put my hands up. We've not had the season on the ice that we want, but with the vision, with the direction, with the strategy, We are going to wake the sleeping giant in the black, white and gold. And I firmly believe that this bees team can grow into something very special, can grow into something very competitive with the immense support off the ice from the school zone, the club zone, uh, the group zone, even not the club zone, the group zone from the, you know, the players that are in first shift. Maybe in 15 years time, they'll be in the bees as well. The work that's going on in and around the community and interesting people and in coming back, people that have been turned off, people that will have heard the state that this club was in uh, just a couple of years ago due to having what, well, I'm not going to say it, but the state that this club was in, and you can see freely on Companies House the state that this club was in. We now have new ownership with vision, with belief, with strategy. They are going to continue rebuilding this club. Let me put that differently. We are going to continue rebuilding this club, and we will not stop until the sleeping giant is awake and until this Bees team
0: is competing for success. That is vision. As the saying goes, Rome wasn't built in the day. Players on the ice aren't going to be built in the day. Maybe results haven't gone the way we wanted to on the ice this season. We've had a lot of one-goal games. We've had a lot of tight encounters. We've also had a lot of young players developing. We've also had a lot of young players who... For whatever reason, haven't stepped up to junior hockey but uh, senior hockey before, and now feel comfortable enough to step up and are getting their opportunities and are developing their play as they go along and you know what that that that's maybe a good sign about how a relationship with a rink and then with a junior club should actually work, yeah, and about how you can build those foundations and those very fractured relationships that have been left by others rebuilding to the point where there's a confidence from the John Knight Leisure Group. And there's a confidence with the junior program to work together to build for a better future. And do you know what? Do you know what as well? We're just getting started. That's the thing. There's so much more to come. Mel's beginning to crack in with some great work as our commercial manager, and she's beginning to really give us a lot, also a lot of what we've not had. And I've not had at other clubs behind the scenes as well in terms of a bit of organization, a bit of strategy and a bit of focus about how we're going to get going forward. And this is what it's all about for me. Like. We're a business. We're not a hockey team that rocks up for 26 games of the season and goes home. That's not what we are. We have to be a 365 business. We have to work every day and think every day about how we can improve the club, how we can improve the community. And do you want to know something else, ladies and gentlemen? Go talk to any of the ownership in this league, bar maybe a couple, but go talk to any of the other ownership in this league. And they're beginning to fear about what's happening here in Bracknell because you know what? The people are coming back in the door. Oh, if people are coming in the door, that means there's more budget. Oh, if the budget really increases, then, oh, okay, it will be sustainable. And that's the most important thing. It's going to be sustainable hockey, but good hockey. And, oh, hang on here. They've got that massive junior program that for a while was considered as one of the elite junior academies within this country. And if they begin to start turning those kids around from those academy sides and move them up into the senior hockey, oh, well, they've got that they've got that dream that you always want of having, of having players that come through from the juniors and step up to play for the seniors. And they form the backbone of the club. And all of a sudden, those players are 25. And then you've got the next lot coming through as well. And all of a sudden, it's a never ending cycle. And you only have to look at other clubs in this country who already have that and the success that they're able to garner year after year after year. Because the foundations were built right at the start. The culture in the club was built right in the start. And that's what I say. That's all I have to say about this. I still firmly believe in this project. And that's what it is. It's a project.
1: There is a a bright future ahead, I believe. As I say, um, well, there, there were no foundations. The whole thing was demolished. The foundations are being laid. And we're virtually there with the laying of the foundations. The one thing that we have done is we have kept this club sustainable while we built those foundations. There would have been a temptation to just throw money, I guess, uh, throw money at it and buy success. But buying success didn't actually buy any success. Um, What we've done is we have put something together that is sustainable, that is growing, and that is going to grow into something that I think, like, you know, in a year or two's time, others will fear. Because as you say, like, you know, let's just pick out a few names this year. Uh, Josh Ely Newman has stepped up, fitted right in. I, I'm impressed with Josh Ely Newman. And I know there's going to be some that I miss out here. And if there is, Graham, please do pick me up. Uh, Josh Ely Newman has stepped up this year. So, too, has Will Stead. Existed, I guess, in Harvey's shadow for a little while, but now here he is making a name for himself as well in the senior club in his town. Well done to him. You have also got others as well. Luke Jackson, who I think is an amazing prospect. Yes, Luke does still make mistakes, but how many games has he got under his belt? What he does have is he's got a lot of size as well. And I'm not saying he goes out because we discussed this earlier. I'm not saying he goes out and obliterates players because that style of play is gone. But he has got a lot of size, which means he's going to be a difficult proposition for players to get past. And the one thing I love about Luke Jackson is that shot. How many defensemen are there in this league that have that shot? And he's only a kid. He has the shot that I think every young defenseman wants. It's there. And as his game becomes more and more complete with more and more experience, what a danger he's going to be. You imagine him. Let's say, I mean, like we play Roman Malinick on the point, don't we, on the power play. You imagine him and uh, Luke Jackson, Malinick and Jackson at the point. Doesn't matter which one you give it to. They could both blast it. You just imagine that in years to come. And that. That is the benefit of rebuilding the relationship with the junior program, because now we're in a position where Doug can speak with the junior program and they can speak with Doug and say, hey, look, have a look at Harvey Stead. Doug can have a look at him and say, do you know what? Let's give him a try. And up he comes. And, you know, those are just three players. There's probably others, Graham, that I've missed out as well. But, you know, Zach Milton was the same last year as well, wasn't he? Zach Milton came up last year. And has fitted in brilliantly. Uh, Maybe going through a lean time at the moment. But it doesn't matter. Because we know what Zach brings to this table. And we know that form is temporary. Class is permanent. Zach has it. He's shown it for us. He's shown it for the GB under 20s. Top work, mate. Keep going. And we're seeing the results already starting to come while we're only still topping out those
0: foundations. Yeah, and we're going to be accused of missing out players here, and I appreciate it. There's been other guys who've had to learn new roles. Adam Goss taking his first year as a starting netminder. That's been an increase for him. Ed Nags, uh, Harvey Stead, Stuart Mogg at the back as well. Stuart having to take on a leadership role this season and learning the trials and tribulations of that while trying to maintain the usual standard of performance you expect from from Stuart, which is pretty dang good, along with Ed and Harvey, they're both having to step up from being junior members to being more senior members of the defensive unit. And it's the same across the board. Ryan Webb, I think, has been an, a guy who he can turn to in the form at the end of the season. has become a real Hasser and Harrier and really just is causing problems across the ice. One of the finest four checking stick players there is in the league right now, I think. The number of turnovers that he's able to produce in the offensive end just through being Ryan Webb is outstanding. Look, and that's where the excitement comes here. And I, I I saw a little bit of it. I saw a little bit of it. It's not all negative social media. It's very easy to sit there and go on social media and find what you want to find below the line. Yeah. On social media, you do see some people who see the vision. And do you know what? Come to our house, come to our, come to our party every week because I want to chat with you on I, I, I would love to buy you all a drink, but we haven't made that much money off the Patreon account this year. <laughs> um, but I would love to be... <laughs> that's not a dig for more subscribers. That's just a fact of life. Uh, it would cost a lot for me to buy drinks. Forever. But yeah, you buy, you buy into what we're doing. The fan base that buys into it, the regeneration of the fan base with new people coming in who understand the direction and understand the vision of the club. That's what excites me. And look. This season's still got four weekends to go at the moment in the regular season, and there's a chance there's going to be more weekends in the playoffs as well. Let's just enjoy what's here. Let's just go out there. Hopefully it's four wins to end the season, beginning against the Raiders and the Steel Dogs this weekend on the road. Hopefully it's four four points on the board and it's another great weekend to be associated with the TSI World Bracknell Bees. Of course, all our great sponsors as well on board, obviously TSI is our main partners, but there's many other people across the board as well who really are buying into what the Bees are trying to do and buying into the future, along with all our great volunteers who uh, we're going to have to have a podcast soon where we just list all the volunteers. I think that might take us an hour and 40 um, with the number of people that help support the club and help drive it forward. It is an exciting time to be around here. It's just it more is. fun
1: to come. It is, you know, and as I say, the foundations are virtually topped out now. We have a coach who has an immense pedigree behind him. Um, he has a fantastic playing career behind him, which he is then turned into being just a coach, not a player coach, just a coach nowadays. But you look at the record of our coach and you can see that as he has built up over the last couple of years a relationship with our junior programme, he's brought on the youngsters, he's integrated them into, let's be honest, still quite a young team. Even if you look at some of the more senior players within the team in terms of roles, they're still with young players. You put together the pedigree of our coach, the relationship that's been built with the rink, the relationship that's been built with the community, the... Relationship with the junior program, giving him a source of players to bring on in, then I think, you know, exciting times are ahead here. Yes, we can't just rely from within. You know, there's always going to need to be a bit of senior leadership on the ice because that's how every young player learned. If you look at some of the greats, they would once have started out as first year players, they would have made mistakes, and their coaches have kept faith with them and they have repaid them you're going to need a bit of leadership. Players like Roman Malinic, players like James Galazzi, as you called him yesterday, the calm head of James Galazzi, separating the players. But players like that definitely have a role. But I think we have exciting times. We have this year a, a blend of youth and experience that has not worked out perfectly this year, but has laid a foundation And has laid a blueprint for future success because each and every one of those players that may have been responsible for a turnover uh, that's cost a goal this year. Each and every one of them will have taken that on board and will have learned for it. And as you say, two weekends left this season, four games, eight points could make all the difference between more weekends than two or just two. But either way there is a lot to look forward to when it all kicks off again in September as well here at The Hive.
0: Mark, I think we've rounded up the games this year. So, uh, sorry, this weekend even, so that's all good. But I know there's one thing you want to pick up with our friends at the English Ice Hockey Association. Mark, I do not have the Crystal Globe to give to you, but I do offer you my soapbox from earlier in the episode. We have mentioned
1: on the Bees Radio Network podcast uh, this season that there have been times where the EIHA have shot themselves horrendously in the foot and this uh, unfortunately is a horrible pun to use here, but there have been times where that has happened and I think another one has occurred towards the end of last week. The NIHL management group have considered a number of unplayed fixtures and made the following decisions regarding Awarding games. I'm going to miss out most of them, but I am going to go on to one which was due to be played on the 2nd of February. Now, without a crystal globe here, look back. 2nd of February, a game that was Streatham versus Peterborough. On the 2nd of February, there was a terrorist incident in Streatham. Okay, that is well beyond the club's control. And obviously, that game did not take place on that date. I quote from the IHA: the game did not take place due to an incident outside the rink. This is acknowledged as a no-fault postponement. Concerns have been raised uh, with the SYIHC before the season beginning about availability of weekend slots for NIHL games. However, the club are unable to provide a suitable ice time slot for this fixture to be rearranged. The game is awarded 5-0 to Peterborough There is no fine attached to this decision. Common sense here says that that situation was a terrorist situation. It is absolutely nothing to do with the club and fair enough, the EIHA have acknowledged that. My issue here is that Streatham has an NIHL 1 team and an NIHL 2 team and a youth program all to fit in. This happened at the business end of the season, the 2nd of February, where ice will be tight with the NHL 1 team, the NHL 2 team and the junior program all coming towards the end of their season. There probably are no spare weekend slots at this point in time. My issue here is why has this game been awarded 5-0? I understand it may not be able to be played. I understand it is not certainly the Peterborough team's fault. It is not the Streatham team's fault. It was due to a terror-related incident, which took place in the vicinity of the rink on that day. It should have been a nil-nil. There is no fault on on the part of either team here. It couldn't possibly have been played on that day because of a terrorist incident. It's at the business end of the season. I mean, if we had to postpone, let's say something catastrophic happened and we had to postpone our game against Basingstoke in two weeks' time, there would be no time to fit that in. Now, if it's a situation beyond our control, and heaven help, like the same thing doesn't happen again, but if it's a situation beyond our control, do we then go out the playoffs because they awarded it 5-0 to the Bison? Let's hope not. This is a farcical situation. It is an NIHL 2 game which cannot be replayed, nil-nil, I think is the fairest situation, given that it was postponed due to a terrorist attack which took place. Not just, you know, a lack of ice time or, uh, you know, enough players being unable to play for whatever reason. It was called off due to a terrorist attack, and the EIHA awarded 5 nil to the travelling team. I do not understand that.
0: It's one of those moments where you just take your head and you hit it against the table and then you maybe hit it against the wall and then you go back to the table because you just don't understand it. I, I appreciate there is an issue with eye slots in Streatham and this is why they're saying the game can't be rearranged so we're going to end it. But the game being postponed due to a terrorist incident should not be a reason to hand a game 5-0 to someone else because let's put it this way, we're talking about a terrorist incident here, it's a different world coronavirus as we have recorded this podcast Italy has just announced an entire lockdown for the country no sporting events are going to take place in Italy before I think it's the third or fourth of April so the Serie A football season right now is on hold that's not a million miles away from here and it's not a million miles away to believe that we might be facing the same situation very soon in English ice hockey it could come sooner than you think at the end of the day two weeks ago this was nothing This was just something that's happening in China. Oh, there's a few cases coming over here, but it's fine. Every day, the numbers ratchet up. And I'm delighted to say the number, as much as the numbers ratchet up, there is also the number of people who are being tested and being found negative is also ratcheting up. But of course, us in the media don't want to report that to you. We just want to scaremonger you or um, revelation about the media there. I don't think so. But it's not impossible to believe that we could see Something similar happened in this country. Premier mm-hmm. League are already talking about. You might see the end of the 3pm blackout. on. But that's what they're talking about because they'll play the games behind closed doors. But don't worry, you'll be able to watch the game for, on free-to-air TV to make sure that no one misses out. It's not impossible to believe. We've seen in other countries around the globe that they are limiting it to 1,000 people gatherings at most. And some are even going down to 500 and some are even going down to empty doors. It's not impossible to believe that we could face the same situation here. Already we've seen the women's world championships have been called off. The under 18s have been called off. It's not impossible to believe the men's world championships will soon be called called off. Anything that involves mass travel is a bit of a problem. The league aren't just going to sit there. The league aren't, sorry, let me just finish this. The league aren't going to sit there and go to all these clubs. Well, you couldn't host that game because you know coronavirus. So we're going to take the game as a 5 0 defeat across you. Who's to say there's not going to be a rink in this country soon that has to shut because of coronavirus? It's not impossible to believe that that could happen. A council that owns a rink might turn around and go, "One of our staff has contracted coronavirus." The only thing we can do, like Willowbank um, Infant and Junior School in Woodley, like L- Lavaza here in Basingstoke, just revealing where I live there, but it's not impossible to believe that a council could shut an ice rink. And are they really going to turn around to the Telford Tigers, for instance, and say, hey, Telford, you know that game against the Raiders? Yeah, because, because of coronavirus and you couldn't play the game, we're going to dock you with a 5-0 defeat. It's not your fault. The rink was shut and there's no other time to play the game. So the best thing to do, hand the Raiders a 5-0 it's, victory.
1: It's a, a, a probability, I would say, whether or not we can get the ice hockey season in or not before it becomes a likelihood is a uh, a different matter. Uh, the coronavirus patient attended a, a fitness class at Aldershot Leisure Centre, resulting in that being closed. Aldershot Leisure Centre is not a million miles away from being in an ice rink. So that is, you know, a potential. And also you can see that the government are stepping up as well. It's Monday night as we're recording this. Britain is preparing to move to the next phase of its response in the coronavirus outbreak when people will be told to self-isolate even for a minor cough or cold. Currently, the UK is in the containment phase of the government's plan, meaning it's trying to stop COVID-19 being transferred inside the country. Uh, However, the Prime Minister has said it's unlikely, extremely unlikely to work on its own and extensive preparations were underway to move to the delay phase. Now, I will be honest, I have had a cold. If that happens to me within the next 7 to 14 days, which is, well, I'm just saying, I have had a cold, right? If that happens now, within the next 7 to 14 days, if I'd got my cold then, I would have to self-isolate for the fact that I've had a cold, which has made me a little bit sniffly, but I don't even feel ill. If we get to that phase where somebody who is in a situation like me, who's had a little bit of a sniffle, but doesn't feel ill, is told to self-isolate, then it's highly likely, once we get to that situation, that there is a risk to the ice hockey season. Now, obviously, the regular season finishes in two weeks' time, and that is against the Bison. There is then the playoffs, which may or may not, let's be honest, may or may not, and we hope it does, involve the Bees. But that then leads on to more home-and-away games before a finals weekend At Coventry, there is a real risk to that, because if we're moving into the delay phase, which means we're basically banning large gatherings of people in the hope that it stops it spreading round. The Coventry finals weekend is a massive success, meaning that it wouldn't be able to go ahead. And that sounds like, you know, that does sound horrible. You know, it's a massive success that can't go ahead. What I mean is if the government are going to say, right, we're banning all large gatherings, then the Coventry final weekend is a large gathering. It can't go ahead. Questionably, depending on where the limit is set, could any ice hockey game go ahead unless it's played behind closed doors? Now, we're not in a position where ITV and the BBC are going to show our games so nobody misses out. But, you know, there is a real possibility that this coronavirus, and I genuinely hope it doesn't affect anybody who's listening because – You know, a lot of people obviously will get coronavirus, they'll feel a bit rough and they'll get better. It's not just that. It's also, you know, if you get it and you feel a bit rough and you transfer it to someone who has an underlying health condition or just transfer it to somebody else like yourself, who unfortunately has an elderly relative and transfers it to them. That's when it becomes a problem. And it is for that reason that the government may turn around and say, you know, people who have uh, a sniffly cold have to self-isolate for seven days large public gatherings like, for example, ice hockey games will have to either be played behind closed doors or just not played. And certainly the Coventry finals weekend, I think, you know, if we don't succeed in the containment phase, which I don't think we will, because it is a virus and it is starting to spread. Thankfully, still low numbers, but it is starting to spread. I think there is a real genuine risk to the the end of this season thanks to the coronavirus Well,
0: hopefully, as Mark says, and I fully agree, just everybody be sensible right now. Let's just be logical about it all. Hopefully, we'll enjoy a good weekend of hockey this weekend. Um, While singing happy birthday twice and washing your hands. Indeed, exactly. And, uh, um, I I mean, I've been wondering what the fiend tune would be to play out the show tonight. Uh, I've decided, if I say this quote, it's very much what we're going to play out to, which is... uh, I don't know this either at this point uh, in time. Um, don't have nightmares. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's an old one. Mark, uh, unfortunately... I have uh, uh, shown your age there, haven't you? Mark? I've not really shown it. Uh, we're going to wrap it up there for this yeah. week. Uh, unfortunately, There's something you're going to say now, isn't there? I am not on the podcast next week. Oh, I may no, make, really? I may make some sort of appearance. Unfortunately, I fly out to Florida and maybe land myself in quarantine out there as well, but I'm going to go out and enjoy a little bit of spring training and a little bit of a break and make the most of a, a weekend. Uh, away with the wife who hasn't seen me much over the last few Hello weeks. Hello, She's, she's, she's very well. She's delighted. Um, yes. Unfortunately she has to put me on a plane for nine hours and 45 minutes, but yes, I will not be at the games this weekend. I will also, I might make a recorded appearance on the podcast. I have been pondering it, but Mark, will continue his 100% record next week. Yeah, my attendance at games may not be
1: 100%, but I will I will I'm determined to complete the season of uh, 100% record on the podcast.
0: And hopefully I'll be back for the final home game of the season against the Bison on the 22nd if I'm not in self-isolation by then. Uh but for now, Mark, pleasure as ever. Graham, it's always a pleasure. Happy holidays and of course happy thank you you're far too kind thank you as ever to everybody on the Beats Radio Network for all your support we really do appreciate it you can sign up on the Patreon account but for now until next time don't have nightmares Radio Network, BrightonLBs.com.